Welcome to the Better Business Podcast, a series for those business owner operators who want to create a better business. Here are your hosts, Chris and Mark. Welcome to the Better Business Podcast. Chris Pesamenti here and joining me, Mark Eggleston. How are you, Mark? I am really good. I'm especially really good since I've been to your hometown. In Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. Ah, yes. What was your highlight? And my highlight was having pastries with you, as we discussed in our I Don't Do Busy podcast. Was it the fact you were with me or the fact that you were eating a very, very good pastry? Oh, you know the answer to that. Yeah. It was the pastry. Definitely the pastry. <laughs> that would have been a highlight indeed. What else did, did you get up to? Anything else? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just um, just Melbourne in terms of its overall classiness. You know, I'm a Sydneyite, but Melbourne just trumps Sydney in its style. It really does. It's fantastic. Diving down those little lanes, you know, yeah. buying I bought a new shirt. Blah, blah, blah. Just everything. Oh, I don't know. It's just, it definitely has its own magic. Yeah, yeah, and it seems to be the. Um, Oh, I guess the feedback that you hear from a lot of people that don't uh, live here. It's easily the most European city in Australia, I think. Um, and funnily enough, most people say what about Melbourne? What, what is the difference in Melbourne than other cities in Australia? Uh, well, there's a lot of black people wearing <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, there is a lot of black. Melbourne has an entirely different culture to Sydney. Interesting. And what would be the defining factor when you well, I think I'll I'll talk t- about it? Because given that we, we do want to talk about culture today. Sydney was, as everyone knows, was the first settlement in Australia. It was basically a convict-run settlement. Well, it was. And then it became less and less convict runners. They, some of them got their freedom. Other people came here who weren't convicts. I don't think Melbourne was started as a convict, as a penal settlement. And, and I think right there probably established the culture. With that so, thought in which, mind. Which is a lovely segue into our topic of the day, which is we do want to talk about organisational culture. Uh, it's, a, it's a big topic. It's one of those ones that um, everyone seems to have uh, an experience or an opinion or um, some understanding of. So I thought it'd be good for you and I just to um, discuss it a little bit, break it down a little bit and, and look at some of our experiences with culture and see if we can sort of put some... Um, broader context around this this very, very important yet complex topic. Sounds fantastic. Um, where do you want to start? Well, where I would like to start, and I know that um, working with you in the past, you've had quite a, um, a feel for, for organisational culture in, in, in terms of some of your niche specialties when it gets into coaching, where I'd like to start is, is perhaps ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Let's go really, really big on this early on. What is culture? How do we define it? How I would define it is, and you could overlay a sporting analogy on this one in the blink of an eye. Are you allowing me to do that? I, am, I could give you a sporting analogy. I know you'll be shocked at this, but I could and I will. Mm-hmm. Um, it is how you, everyone in your business, plays together and by play i mean work play whatever how they interact the rules of engagement yeah yeah and i love to Uh, and and do you have an example of of that given that you're all full of analogies today 
well, I could give you a sporting one, which will shock you because you know I don't watch that much sport. Go on. Um, anyone who watches AFL would know that the hero of the Swans team is Buddy Franklin. And uh, the odd time I've watched them play, you just watch him play and you think, oh, my God, he is unbelievable. When he joined the Swans, they had a no dickhead policy, excuse the language, and he was a bit of an out there individual. And the general goss around the traps, and you might know a little bit more about this than I do, was that he wouldn't last that long. Well, not only is he their star player, they've incorporated him into the team in a completely seamless way because of their culture. Yeah, interesting. So, Great yeah. analogy, really, when you think about it, where where an individual's had to adapt to an organisational culture and, and when realistically under the circumstances where the big star joins a team, it sometimes can be the other way around. That The expectation is that the team will start adapting to, to that person's culture that they bring in. I watched him play recently, and as you know, I don't know that much about AFL, but he was very, he's a great goal kicker. He was right near the goals, but he just was not quite in the right place to kick the goal, so he passed it straight on to someone else who kicked the goal. Well, there you go, and doing the team stuff, team yeah, rules. Wow, there you go. He could have had a crack at it, probably would have got it through, but went, nah, I'll give this to someone else. So in terms of... Um, so just on your definition there, if I could add anything, and I really like what you said about um, the agreements on, on the way that people play together. Yeah, engagement, rules of engagement. Rules of engagement, yeah. And wh what I would add to that is that often uh, from a definition perspective, and this is one where business owners can do this straight away as a bit of uh, an exercise for themselves or in their team, is do your rules of engagement get... Um, captured as actual behaviours that, that can be managed. Because for me, the real um, defining factor of, of, of your culture is the behaviours that show up and the way things get done around here. Um, and the example that, that you can give there is it's, it's not just good behaviours that define your culture, but often the bad behaviours that define it as well, isn't it? Well, the, on the bad behaviour, I was thinking just as you were talking then, and a way to define that is the thing, if you're, a, if you're anyone in a business, and in particular you're a leader, the thing that you walk past that you shouldn't walk past defines your culture. That's where it starts, at that thing. Yeah. So if someone's doing something that is really unacceptable and you walk past it, that's the ground rule of your culture. Yeah, it's, a great, it's such a great point. You know, get, often we just, you know, wrap that up in... It, and I mentioned this the other day to someone. I said the standard we walk past is the standard we endorse. And, totally. And realistically, you can say anything you want about defining a culture on paper and you can even train and communicate and do all the sort of corporate comms that, that you can do to, to try and instill it in your team. But it, realistically, the thing that actually defines your culture is the way people behave at any given time. And... The standard you walk past is the standard you endorse. If you walk past something that's not right and you just keep walking, well, all of a sudden, that's now that's your culture. If you yeah, don't that's, that's, something, that's the benchmark for your culture. That's the benchmark you... for your culture, yeah, exactly right. But if you see something that's that's not right, could use some help, some you know, team members that might be struggling and they could just use a little bit of help or all people mucking in to get some pallets loaded before uh, you knock off for the end of the day, whatever it is. 
that's that's the stuff that also defines your culture too. Um, and and it's every one of these things is actually just a choice point, isn't it? I can do this or I can do that. So let's let's um, break it down again. So first of all, we're we're happy with our definition. So it's the rules of engagement, and and those rules of engagement are defined as manageable behaviours. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep, cool. Yep, yep. So once we've defined a culture in our business, and and we, we could go on for a long time about all the workshopping and stuff you do and the methods by which you can do it and all that sort of stuff about looking at your culture. Um, why do we need it, Eggy? What's what's the purpose? I just um, Because my surname's Eggleston, most people call me Eggy, which is what Pez has just done, which I'm perfectly okay with in case you're wondering where that came from. And this is why I don't know where Pez comes from. It's Pez. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. This it's is why we need it. That's so Australian of you. De- de- uh, like uh, describing where Eggy comes from whilst using someone else's surname. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the best way for me to illustrate why we need it is this, is give you some examples. And you know I've given you these examples or I've, you've seen me with them before. Mm. So here's three. One is the Hells Angels. One of my favourite cultures is Virgin. And the other is the mafia. Now, yeah. if you take, we'll take the two negatives there first. Well, they're not actually, yeah, they are negatives. Um, Hell's Angels, massively successful. Mafia is a business, massively successful. Now, do I want to belong to either of those? Absolutely no, I don't belong to either of them. The reason they have values is that they want to attract the people that they want to attract who want to stay there and behave the way they all want to behave. If you're all behaving in the same way, massively powerful. Yeah. So and, you and is there an example of some of the, because you mentioned values there, and it's interesting when we talk about defining a culture, um, where we spoke about before was the rules of engagement and the behaviours, and, and you've just t- touched on values there because the most common thing we see in the expression of a culture is by a, a list of values or, you know, a handful of, of values that the organisation um, decides upon. Um, have you got an example of, of perhaps a value from the mafia or, or the... I house? have. I'm, I'm staring at it just as you speak. Here's a couple from the mafia. No one can present himself directly to another of our friends. There must be a third person to do it. Second value, never look at the wives of friends. Third value, never be seen with the cops. Here's the fifth value. Always be available for Cosa Nostra is a duty, even if your wife is about to give birth. <laughs> is, is, this, is this out of like the uh, So You Want to Join the Mafia handbook or something? No, I, I Googled it. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. So Here's interesting. One, this one I like. They could, go across, they could go across any business. Appointment, appointments must absolutely be respected. Yeah, interesting. I had this happen to me yesterday where someone changed an appointment. They didn't even call me about it. They did it via a text, an email. Yeah. And I thought, that's interesting. Call me at least, will you? Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, though, because there, there, is, there is absolute and dire punishment, I'd imagine, for transgressing um, some of those behavioural standards, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Just think of cement shoes. Yeah. So it could, you could pay the ultimate price, and and with with um, within the Hell's Angels as well, because I mean there's a lot. Well, of- here's a couple of here's a couple from them, and these could be anywhere. Uh, 
tell the truth, be fair, keep your promise is a couple. Yep. The one I really, the, of the business I most identify with though is Virgin. And um, I always used to fly Qantas. I don't know about you, who you fly. The Qantas were always late and they'd hide behind you. wouldn't want us to be unsafe, would you? That's right. Which was garbage because they were just being late. Yeah. And Virgin mostly left on time. And I actually enjoyed their looseness in a way. So here's some of their values, which is reflected in Richard Branson's own management style and values is living the brand's values, which are value for money, good quality, brilliant customer service, innovative, competitively challenging, fun, creativity and passion for ideas, and so it goes. Disrespect for hierarchy and formal authority. Mm. I just love that. If you look at their logo, the word virgin, it's kind of like a piece of graffiti which reflects that. Disrespect for hierarchy and formal authority. Yeah, really interesting, isn't it? Because um, one of those key uh, things that we touched on in the past Oh, sorry, just previously, not in the past, but earlier in this discussion, was those behavioural standards. And because it leads to one of the questions that that leads on from this um, expression of your culture in, in values or, or or written documentation or guidelines on, on behaviours and things like this, is once you've done all this, Eggy, how, how do you use it? Like, what, what are some of the ways that you've seen this is a really good question, and this is where this is such a good. This is a pivotal question. Yeah, can fact. I can I just add to that? Yeah, yeah. What, what I think when you start bringing up culture in in a lot of organisations, and depending on the style of people that that are on the other side of the conversation to you, a lot of it can see use the excuse or the like this sort of belief that oh, that's airy fairy stuff, that's soft stuff, that's you know, it's not linked to business performance or it's not linked to commercial outcome or it's not linked to um, some of those hard factors in organisations where people just want to get a result. Um, and, and, and where you've started to go with this is that this has a, an absolute application in, in how, how our businesses actually operate and the results that we get from operating within a certain um, agreed set of behaviours. So, what do we do with it? Once, we, once we've announced okay. the culture, developed it, designed it, made it pretty, got icons and pictures and all this sort of stuff, how do we use it? I'm going to split that answer to that question in half. Okay. Halves are internal, external. Hmm. So internally, you need to develop three large, I always say three, people go to five, some people go more than I've seen seven, large, contextual words. Um, The reason I like three is people can remember three. And you remember when we first started working together, we had three. Yeah. And are they they one word things or are they sentences? No, they can be two words. The best if they're a word because people can just go dunk, dunk, dunk. Employees can go dunk, dunk, dunk. Remember one of ours early on was no ego. Yeah. And I'll just explain that now. The reason we had that early on is because uh, we were really go fast in the coaching world. If you inject ego into your cultural mix, it slows everything down. You're too busy managing ego to manage going quickly. Yeah. It really is. So on the internal thing, you might have three large headings, which better refer just a single word. The reason I say that is that underneath it, 
each of those three, you would have some behaviours that match that word. So initially, your staff can always remember three. People can remember three universally. Dunk, dunk, dunk. So you go, there are your three big ones. There are our three big ones. We all agree on them. Here's the behaviours that are, reflect each word. And then you make it really public. And yep. you also, I think a critical thing here is that anyone can call anyone. So the girl on the reception desk can call the CEO if his behaviour doesn't match, is out of whack with the values. Anyone can call anyone. It's a completely flat structure of values. Yeah, that's interesting because value, your, your cultural um, environment supersedes your organisational structure, doesn't it? Totally. It's yeah. right over the top of it. And let's say you were a person in the organisation responsible for making sure something happens and in that mix was the CEO or the boss of that organisation and they don't do it, don't do what you ask, that's where you bring the value into play because at that stage they're answerable to you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for, so for, for an example, uh, which I'm... Um, I'll go on because you, you said you were going to split it in half. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So... This is not your mission either. And one thing that really intrigues me, and I'd be interested to know if you've seen this, you go into a, a business and you see their mission behind the receptionist or you see their vision and values or you see one of those things. As soon as I see that written publicly, yeah, generally that's exactly what I'm not going to experience. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's so quite... It's quite funny, isn't it? Because there's so many of those examples where um, you can step into the elevator in in, in any sort of uh, tower in in any city around Australia, and and what you'll often find is whoever, if if a particular organisation or if it's a bank or whatever, that they'll usually plaster that lift with with their, their standards of customer service and their values as an organisation and all that sort of stuff, and you'd almost you'd almost bank on the fact that their employees get in and out of those lifts every day. And if you ask them to recite those values or their mm. customer service standards or whatever their you know, particular strategy of the day is in, in their three-point plans, do you reckon they, they know it off by heart? No. <laughs> I don't reckon they know it off by heart. And if they do, and you said to any one of them, what does that mean? Yeah. They look at you. Yeah, so what does that actually mean? Because I yeah. think that that's... That's the the question that I ask often in front of organisations and, you know, leadership teams is to say, when they say, oh, we've got a value of, uh, you know, fair, I go, great. Well, it's fair. you know, it's things that are fair. If if that's, if something's not, and I go, but fair to who? Because what's fair to you might might not be fair to someone else and vice versa. So how do you, how did, then do you solve that conversation? And I think that that's where, like you were saying before, is that if you've got those one or two word um, whether you call them values or expressions or whatever they are, what you said next is the most important bit. Then you've got the behaviours that show when you're living it or not. So you've got the guideline, the actual guidelines that say when we're um, when we're working in the context of uh, what was the value example you gave? Um, I've just remembered no three. ego. Yeah, just yeah, no so ego. you said no ego. So when when we're what no ego means to us is. Then there's like a, either a list or, or a description or a, um, you know, a short uh, paragraph on saying this is how we show um, no ego. 
Or when ego pops up, this is actually how we deal with it. Like there's actually, um, you know, real tangible behavioral stuff that, that organizations spend time to develop to make sure that they can, they've got a, a tiebreaker in, in the whole behavioral standard of the organization. If, if someone's sitting on this side of the table and someone's sitting on that side of the table and ego's an issue or whatever it is at the time, or fairness or value or honesty or whatever, whatever those, that value is, you've actually got, well, okay, let's, let's go to the behavioral standards then. Were you exactly. no ego? Yeah. Or, or what does it actually mean when we say this? Well, at least we know what it means now. Um, I just remember the three values we had way back and see if these re, uh, ring any bells for you, which were oh, open mm, fair. fair. Yeah. Now, in, mm. in and of themselves, they're very big words and yeah. almost incomprehensible, but you can put behaviours underneath each one of those. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is where I think the, the expression of values where I've, I've sort of gone away from the, when working with organisations, I've actually gone away from the very, very short um, value statements, if you like, because I think that one of the biggest pitfalls that, uh, especially small businesses can make is coming up with those one word values and leaving them as the value. <laughs> so when people yeah. say, oh, well, what are your values as, as an organisation? Oh, it's um, integrity, um, honesty and service. And you go, okay, but what, what do they mean? Oh, well, integrity, honesty, and service. Don't you understand what they mean? And that's where I, f- I reckon it would be impossible to train anyone on those, almost impossible to, to um, uh, you know, get everyone aligned behind them because, again, it, it's open to interpretation. It's just that next layer. So I've actually gone down the path of when, when working with organisations to actually almost have a, a descriptive sentence um, I've got a, a company that I work with. They've got, they've got a great list of values. And one of their ones, I won't go through all of them, but one of the ones that they've got, it, it, and it just speaks to me because it's a little bit irreverent, was that once we went through all the workshopping and we looked at all the behaviours that they're showing up in their organisation that, that, that they love and all the behaviours that they want to let go of and, and get rid of um, and then you know, pick some, some aspirational behaviors to say, this is who we're going to need to be to get through this new phase of our vision and all this sort of stuff. Uh, one of the, all the values got summarized into four broad um, descriptive statements and then with, with behavioral standards for each of them. And one of them was don't half ass it. And they've actually built an icon around the, um, that, that value with, <laughs> with like a donkey with one of those sort of cross signs across it. Like, you know, like there's no donkeys here. So, the don't half-ass it one is realistically about, um, and and I know like there'll be NLP people out there and all sorts of, you know, quasi psychologists saying it, it's a you shouldn't put a negative as a value and all this sort of stuff saying don't, you know, you shouldn't say don't do something. You should say you know do this instead. But do something, yeah. Yeah, but it the thing is, if it means something to the team, they get it. They have a bit of fun with it, and it brings good energy. Exactly. Well, I was just about to say, you go know, where the energy is. This is a with, real example. Just go, go with the energy. energy because I, I, everyone loves it. That You walk into that organisation, they've got them plastered all over their walls and there's this one with this big icon with a donkey in the middle of it with a big cross across it. And it's just... A cross across its ass or cross no, the donkey? No, just across the donkey. And it just says, don't half-ass it. And, um, and then it says, you know, it, it says, then do this stuff, you know, see the problem through you know, finish it to the end, take your customer on the journey, all, all that sort of stuff that kind of goes with it that um, means that 
every one of those people in that organisation gets to a, a bit of a choice point where they might be a bit tired at the end of the day or it might be a particular task that's quite complex because they do work in complex sort of solutions, this organisation. Um, and they could finish, you know, jobs for their clients at, at a number of different points. But the, the standard then comes in saying, am I half-assing this or have I gone to all these lengths we said we would go to to make sure that our customer, our client gets the best result possible? And it just becomes a check-in point for, for them to actually manage their own behaviour at choice points. There's about there's a, a bucket load of really good things you've mentioned in there. I think it's got to be relevant to the organisation. So whatever does give them energy, go with that. There's no right or wrong on this. Yeah. But it, you do need to go where the energy is and you do need to throw out the things, the behaviours you don't want. Yeah, so that, that's actually part of that process, isn't it? That, that it sort is of part of that process. process. It is. Um, the other thing is I love the way um, I have a bit of a rule of thumb here and you might have it too, which is don't have too many. No. It just becomes too complex, like fours heaps. Yeah. Particularly if behaviours under each one, that can yep. that in itself is quite a lengthy thing. Um, and having uh, making them slightly more descriptive is good. Open and honest and fair was good for us because uh, if I said to a client of mine at that stage, "Here's our values: open, honest, open, honest, and fair," the very next question always was, "What does that mean?" And because we'd done this, I could say what it meant which is a good thing if you can explain it. If your client says to you, what are your values? And you say, blip, blip, blip. And then they go, well, what does that mean? And then you can explain them. It really means you know them as per the person getting in the lift in one of those towers who can't. Yeah. We mentioned before. So that is, I think that pretty much covers off the internal process other than it's a living process. So you need to reevaluate them every so often, either to add one in, to take one out, that's not working for you, whatever. Yeah. And, and what I would add as well as in terms of how you use it internally, um, and I know we're, we're probably going to gloss over a lot of the really deep content we could go into today, um, but again, just some good examples of, of how I've seen this play out in organisations that I've worked with. Um, once you enunciate your values and your behaviours and you've trained your teams and you communicated, so there's a whole, I guess, comms strategy that sits behind this as well. Once once you get the team on board to help you define the culture of the organisation, then it's then it's up to um, the same or, or the senior management to make sure that everyone understands it. So you 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 can really get people drinking the company Kool Aid, so to speak, um, because that that's that's you know crucial. One is the right from induction and employment right through to reminders and sessions and all that sort of stuff. But one of the best ways I see this actually play out is especially when you've just done this for the first time or it's a redefining, not just a defining, but a redefining of a culture because, like you said, you do have to check in every now and then, is one particular company that I worked with, that they just uh, had a laminated version of their, their values and their behaviours um, and where it fit into the strategic plan and all that sort of stuff. And they had it in a very simple format, laminated, and every meeting that they held with with um, at like managers meetings or or one on one meetings with staff or whatever it was, there was a copy of those on the table, so just so that that they could use it as a conversation piece to really understand how to bring it to life 
how to bring those those values to life. So especially in meetings with the managers, when things got pretty robust and heavy or there was a bit of an impasse around a decision, whoever was chairing that meeting could go, well, hang on a minute. If we are to, you know, uh, lead by example, just say that was a, a value. If we were leading by example and looking at all the behaviours that come underneath, what decision would we make now? And then that that's basically how you take your value, the behaviour, then the commercial reality behind it to actually help guide decision making. Because if, like you said earlier on with the Mafia and the Hells Angels and Virgin and all the other um, organisations that have really, really um, well enunciated uh, cultures and well-trained and, and all that sort of stuff, if you can use it to actually help you make decisions and guide decisions, and then everyone understands that that becomes the uncompromising bit. We don't compromise on anything at all when it comes to our behavioural standard. You, you know what? You're not going to get all your decisions right, but at least you understood why you made them. And yep. I think that's that's the really important part of, of mixing the, I guess, the commercial and the cultural elements. You know, we talk about the hard and the soft, don't we? And, and that's that's how you actually take something that's a, a typically soft topic and turn it into a commercial reality around hard decisions. I think there's a couple of points worth making there, and I'll start with your last one. Values, although it looks like a, we, we talked about this just recently, while values look like a soft issue, they have absolutely manifestable um, commercial outcomes. So if you have no culture, you have no values, you're not as efficient as you are as you do have values. You spend a lot of time making decisions. You, you often as a CEO or manager or whoever putting out bushfires, it, it does make your business very efficient. Yeah. If you've got values. Efficient decision making. Yeah, efficient decision making. Like it's clear. Secondly, you attract the people you want to attract. And yeah. one thing, and you may have seen this, I have definitely seen it, in doing values with an organisation, you may get people leaving. Because if you haven't had them before, if you haven't had values before, yes. yep. they go, this is not me. This just isn't me. Or you'll smoke them out when they have have not been behaving well and all of a sudden it'll become really obvious not the norm but it does happen yep and and that's and th this is the thing that i always then say to the uh, the company is and that's the best result because yeah, it is. It's, i always say that if, if you've got a you know this this core group of people who are uh, if you put it in sort of that employee engagement terms if these are your true believers and they they are uncompromising around your your cultural um, behaviours, then it doesn't matter if that, that core group of people gets a little bit smaller and tighter initially because as you keep adding people to this core, what you find is then that starts building into a groundswell and the, and the energy just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger in the organisation until that becomes the absolute standard by which that organisation runs by. Um, and there's just so many really good examples out there. We, in fact, you know, it was really interesting. You talked back to some of the old days where you and I did a little bit of work together in various um, versions of our coaching careers. <clears throat> and we used to show that that Atlassian video that uh, the the Australian tech company that recently, or you know, floated on the on the stock exchange a few years back. You know, they became the biggest float, the biggest tech float in Australian corporate history. And 
you know, worth in one of those ones that was immediately worth in the billions of dollars. And way back when, and and they were just starting out in uh, in their Sydney offices down. At, I think it was at the Rocks in Sydney, or was it in Macquarie? No, it was. Um, I can tell you exactly where it was. And the reason I can tell you this is because I was so enamoured of their values. I went down to their office. Yeah. And with them, was it the? It was uh, sort of on the city side of Darling Harbour. Let's say, yeah, Sussex Street. Oh, Sussex Street. Okay, yeah, down yeah. down there, and um, and. I used to show their video quite a bit when I'd run sessions and say, have a look at this. It's, it's the, the beautiful part of this is they've got very clearly defined values and you can see that they're building in the irreverence in their, in their culture because there was, you know, there was a little bit of swearing and some loose language and um, you know, that typically cool tech company where people are in there playing musical instruments and ping pong and all, all these sort of things that, 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 you know, a lot of people would associate with these tech startups. Um, but you know the interesting thing was, Eggy, was that one. It was it was really roughly shot. It wasn't a corporate um, presentation. No, it was kind of handheld. Wasn't it was it? a handheld, roughly shot uh, by one of the staff members, and this uh, this fellow was just going around and asking people randomly, you know, what does this value mean to you? What does it mean we do when we're living this value? And what what's really striking about it was that everyone had an answer. Everyone understood what it meant. And, and you can tell that at that time, they were absolutely going to live and die by those values. And then, you know, their, their story at the end still came from the fact that they needed to um, produce good products that people wanted to use. But that was also built into their values as well. And, and I'd encourage anyone who listens to this, I, I, I don't know that that original one, that original video is still available around the web because I think they've had to sort of, you know, tie it up since then given... Well, just a lot on of that... Uh, bad language alert here, in case yeah. anyone might be offended. But one of their values was, and it, when you went to the reception, it was there, but not in these words. One of their values was, "Don't fuck the customer." And what? And what did that mean? Uh, it meant don't rip off the customer. Don't rip them off. Yeah. No. And don't do anything that looks like be a bit like the don't half ass it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in. You could see that. It, I can't remember how they displayed it. They didn't have the F word in there, but it, it was there in their yeah. reception. You could see it. And of course, someone would say, "What does that mean?" And then the reception would go, "Well, don't fuck the customer." Um, <laughs> lead to a great conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's right. Well, that, see, that's the other thing I think is really interesting as well is that if your um, corporate culture can actually start creating good conversations with with the external community from your business, then then that's just another chance for you to differentiate yourself to say where, where it goes back to that, that wonderful Simon Sinek um, presentation that people will, will buy from you or work with you if, they be, if you believe what they believe or they believe what you believe. And yeah. a real way to, to show that connection with, with your audience or with your client base or with your um, desired customer base is, is to show what you believe in. And if you believe in irreverence or you believe in, you know, absolute elite customer service or you, you believe in um, sure you're never beaten on price or, or whatever it is, um, through your culture and the enunciation of it and the energy you can bring to it is a really great way to advertise. It is. If you look at Bunnings, and I yep. watched this the other night, they've perfected this now. They, they, they discount most everything, but the guy said, we don't, we don't generally, we believe we've got the cheapest prices. 
But we don't mention discount a lot now because if you can find it cheaper, we'll match that and drop it by 10%. Yep. So there's a cultural thing. Like we don't have to say we're the cheapest because we, we'll do it anyway. Yeah. Yep. I think it's worth putting a full stop in here because what we've done, you and I, mm-hmm. which is really good, is we've just shifted from internal to external. Okay, so go on. So internal is here's your values, keep it simple, have three or four very short sentences and then have behaviours underneath them, underneath each sentence, which is a way to behave that exhibits that value. So that's internal. Yep. The big word on the external is brand energy. Yes. And what I would, for me, Virgin is just a, a fantastic example of brand energy because what they do in, internally is completely shown how they behave externally. Mm-hmm. When you're on the plane, when you're getting on, when they do the safety thing, how they serve you, everything, it's slightly disrespectful, it's funny, it's irreverent, it's great. They don't take themselves too seriously. I'm sure they do, but you don't see it. Yeah. And that's that brand energy, and that lets you, as a customer of a particular product, identify with the brand, as you were just saying a minute ago. And, and then choose whether that's what you want or not. One of the things that totally, is this what I want or is this not what to, I want? It goes back to, I think, that third or fourth podcast we wrote about, uh, we spoke about no competition if you're positioned well. This goes into this. This should dovetail into your position. They're inseparable. Exactly. So your position and your culture need to be working hand in glove. Is that what you're saying here? Totally, totally. Once you've got your position worked out, if you've already got your values, you should make sure they match or vice versa. And Apple sort of is. I went in there the other day because I never have the most recent iPhone, so I think mine's a 6S. It's about a model out of date. Anyway, they just used to leak power out of the battery. So I go in there and say, what's wrong with this? And they come back at it 10 minutes later and say, oh, we'll give you a new phone. Well, that's all right. I'll get a brand new 6S iPhone because the battery in mine isn't really up to speed. So Apple used to be really good. They're not so good now, I don't think. I really identified with their values a while ago. Well, well but this is interesting given we're speaking about culture. So when you say they used to be good, there, there were things that, that came out in their culture that, that would appeal to you. Now that you say that you don't have that feeling anymore, it just leads me to ask, what's changed for you? Well, two words, iCloud. It's yep. a disaster. It's just a bloody disaster. It's complex. It's made everything they do complex and it doesn't work ever. And, oh, God, on and on. I could go on and on. And now when you ring them up and if you've got an issue, you hear this language and you're in, I'm going, in, while they're talking to me, I'm going, you're just sidestepping the issue here. You're using crafty language. <laughs> you know this is not working and you're just trying to weasel your way out of it. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they've gone from a little bit from that sort of, uh, again, like that tech giant that made you feel like you were the most important person in the room to just being a tech giant. Yep, Totally. Totally, totally. Um, yeah. There'll be people that disagree with this, but that's, I really think that that's the case. So what are some of the good examples you've seen, Eggie? Some, you know, organisations that you've worked with or worked in um, where, where you've seen something, because there's, there's the bringing the values to life, whether it's an internal or an external thing. And we always look at the idea that 
Um, this forms a really, really fundamental part of your strategic plan. It forms a fundamental part of your vision. It forms a fundamental part of your positioning strategy. Uh, your culture forms a fundamental part of your overall engagement plan with staff, attraction, retention, so on and so forth. Um, it's probably, you know, in, in a way, the most important topic that any business can face. What are some of the... And, and then once you've done that, it's it's inculcating it into your, you know, baking it into your your, your organisation, using it in, in ways that make it relevant. But I always love the idea that then you come up with a few rituals off the back of your uh -huh. car that, that make it make it a bit, you know, a bit, bit of fun and bring the energy to it as well. So have you seen any good examples of, um, oh, well, of some I'm of that? Just, uh, yeah, I do. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not talking blow-torching tattoos off arms when you want to leave the, you know, the motorcycle gang. No, 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 none of that. But that Atlassian, is <laughs> Atlassian is one, again, because yeah. as I said, you know, I was so, and there was a couple of us that were so taken with what they're doing. We thought, God, I have to see, is this, is this for real? So I went down to their offices. They did a couple of things. One of the things, they had a HR manager who drove their values. I think his name was Yoris. He was absolutely out of the box HR guy. Fantastic. Um, when someone uh, had joined the business but hadn't started, so they hadn't started working at Lassian, but they'd joined, they'd send them off to a hotel for the weekend with their partner. Okay. And you go, wow, that's, that's really intriguing. And it's kind of undid people's heads a bit. They go, wow, this is unusual. Well, when I went down there, you could serve yourself lunch or dinner uh, and there was alcohol in the fridge. They didn't police this in any way. They just left it up to everyone to police themselves and so no one no one drank beer much at lunchtime they had beers after work any day you like they had yeah. lots of food that you could help yourself to yeah. anytime didn't police it just there happening uh they had a room where anyone that rode their bike to work could park their bike leave their bike gear have a shower and change so a lot of bikes in that room yep i'd imagine um, yeah so that, that's just an example of them Great example of a ritual, and I know I'm going to get this wrong, and please, if someone, you know, when someone listens to this, you can always, um, you know, jump on LinkedIn or tweet us and let us know where we get it wrong or right or whatever it is. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was, do you know much about Zappos? No. Um, I'm pretty sure that in the Zappos induction, you actually get a check to not join the business and you choose as to whether you're going to bank that check then and there or you're going to join the business and if you join the business it's because you've made that choice you're going to you know live and breathe everything that that the cultural training has has um taken you through and the check a bit no i haven't heard of that that's 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 a bit like sending someone to a and their partner to a hotel for the weekend yeah, but th but there's a choice point. It's like it's like saying yeah. you've, you've completed your your um, induction or, or interview process or whatever it is. Now we're going to give you a check for you know X amount of hundreds of dollars or you know wh whatever it is. Whatever it was, and and you can bank that, and we'll shake hands and wish each other the best, or you can tear it up and and jump on board and let's let's go for a ride. I, I've, I've got been, a, something in my mind tells me that that's Zappos. 
Um, but I if, don't know. if it isn't, it definitely is another organisation of, of, of that type. I'm a bet if you found out who that organisation was, it would be good. And I could I add it maybe a, one of the notes under the under the podcast. I bet they had very few checks banked. I'd, I'd, I'd say they're very few. Very yeah. few. Because you still got to get through some sort of, uh, you know, trial and selection process and whatnot. So, you know, to even just get through that, I'd imagine you, you're already aligned with, with, with the organisation. But, but it, nonetheless, it's one of those rituals. Um, let, let, we don't have to go too highfalutin with this. Friday no. afternoon drinks with the team in the sheds. That's a ritual. Um, your office footy tipping competition. That's a ritual. Uh, what, what, Treating what everyone, giving people who you wouldn't normally give responsibility, responsibilities is that, are, that are pretty profound, like the girl on the front desk or the bloke on the front desk or whoever it is. You know, you don't be hierarchical. Yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, birthday, having, I've seen, you know, organisations give their, give their staff, when it's your birthday, it's a day off. Not, not out of annual leave. It's just you, you get a day off for your birthday. Um, or all, all those little, um, you know, functions and whatnot you can have, whether you have social clubs or whatever it is, what I just urge people to do is make sure that it has to fit in with your culture. You know, a couple of the organisations yeah, yeah. I work with, they've got typically sort of sporty, blokey cultures. Um, you, you see some of their, their social club uh, functions, um, usually around, you know, the fishing trip, the... You know the the tickets to state of origin, and you know let's hire a bus and and go up there and 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 have a real you know real big weekend, you know socialising let's call it. Um, but then there's other organisations that uh, you know have a, a broader um, representation, male female. They have their their events that are that are very much attuned to more more sort of uh, events where where everyone would enjoy equally. So yes, and it has to cut across when you're doing this. You have yeah. to make sure the events you're doing don't alienate one group and another group get really into them. They have to be broad enough where everyone's interested. Yeah, and, and also then or, or provide choice. But as long as it yes. fits in with the way that you're, you want your organisation to behave. And I think Interestingly, on this, I worked with an organisation that was dealt with high-wealth family businesses. And they were pretty good, but how, the, how they didn't treat each other was like a family. Mm. So they dealt with families externally. They didn't behave like a family internally, which was really interesting. Yeah, yeah very interesting, isn't it? And, and then how did that, did, did you get a sense that that then rubbed off on whether their customer service or just their staff retention? You know, how did you yeah, say? Yeah, no, their staff retention. Yeah. Because the care factor can go down, you can't. Because yeah, it's almost back goes back to what you were saying before about that. You, you look at your cultures. There's the internal application and the external application, and they've really got it. You've got to blur the lines between both. But if yeah. you're only doing it as an external application, then you, you really um, it's just advertising, isn't it? And for and well, generally and advertising at that. Yeah, and it'll become completely obvious what's happening. You can't you can't mask that. No. You can't hide. It'll become obvious. One thing I think we did forget to mention, <clears throat> I think we've kind of covered the external broadly enough. So there's the customer experience, the brand energy, and that's, that's the most important one. Yeah. Um, a brand I quite like is Land Rover, yeah. who have quite a good brand energy. Um, 
own one that I'd, I have in the past, um, but they have a really good brand energy, I think. Uh, I think the Americans used to do this really, really well, a lot of their big businesses. One of the things that always intrigues me is returns, something you've bought from a business. And some businesses will say, fine, I'll give you money back, no question, don't even yeah. need the receipt, done. How they handle that, yeah. Yeah, in Australia, it's often, where's the receipt? Oh, you bought that two years ago or a year and a half ago. No, I don't have the receipt anymore. Oh, no, well, we can't exchange it. Well, obviously, I bought it here and I didn't steal it, obviously, you know, but no, that just drives me mental. <laughs> the rigmarole you have to go through. To yeah. The... yeah, like, I, yeah, no, not happening. Um, but internally, I think we just need to recap on something there. And yeah. you and I both have experienced this. And this is you have to be really, really careful about this as a business if you're putting values into your business, is that people do not drink the cool aid too much. That's the cool aid, not the tool aid. Mm-hmm. Cool aid too much. And in if they do do that, they end up using the values as a stick quite often. Oh yes. The old values as a stick scenario. Yeah. Explain you're that. Saying, oh, they go, Oh, I'm really cool. I'm living the values, but you're not. And uh, I'm superior because I am, and there, there, there. That's yeah. Well, and and picking and choosing when when they quote the values and when they don't. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, one one minute the values are going to guide every decision. The next minute, oh well, let's see what we can get away with. And then when it suits them, they bring the values back out again. Yeah, one of the ones that really used to intrigue me in open, honest, and fair land was be open to feedback. And you would have just done a presentation. And someone would say to you, can I give you feedback? And one of the answers you can give there is, no, you can't. I'm not open for it right now. I'm not open Later. to feedback right now. Or, or no, I'm not. Sometimes you're just not. You know, you're in a, yeah. your head in a different place. You just... Otherwise, it goes back to the... I always love one of my favourite scenes in any any type of movies when you do watch all those sort of mafia movies is, is that, you know, with all due respect... As soon as they say, with all due respect, and then whatever they say that follows it is usually the, one of the great insults of all time. Yeah, completely disrespectful. Yeah, completely. Look, with all due respect, Mark, uh, your presentation was the worst thing I've ever seen. With all due respect, you know, <laughs> and that was a little. That was a little bit like how feedback used to get used in in, in that. Yeah. Was as a stick. Can I give you feedback? <laughs> you can, but not now. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to give you feedback and I'm going to make it so brutal that you're going to run out of here crying and wailing, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's when we use culture as a stick, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not. It's compassion and a bit of... You <laughs> oh, God, know, just, all these memories come flooding back. Yeah, don't they ever go off? Because I think that that's how, um, that's how one time I actually called the culture in, in that particular organisation. I said it was like a mafia movie. It was like when we yeah. say, with all due respect, so-and-so, um, you know, and then just because you say that, it means after that you can say the most derogatory thing you can ever say in your life. But then yeah, just, it's, it's with due respect. Yeah. yeah, you've got your ego out now, big time. That's so. right, yeah. Anything you want to add in here, like about doing it, not doing it, when you should do it? Um, I always recommend when you're looking at your overall strategic plan, whether that's a, a you know, a, a, a twice yearly thing or an annual thing on a retreat with your senior leadership team or whatever it is, I would say there's absolutely have to look at your, your behaviours in your business. And I, I always think of just the, you know, like we, we try and simplify things as much as we possibly can. Just a little T um, ledger on, on your page, you know, a little T 
diagram. And on one side, just say, what are the behaviours showing up that that really live live our culture in a positive way? What are some of the behaviours that, that are the bad behaviours, if you like? And just list exactly what's going on in your team. You know, so you might say, um, people turning up late to meetings. That goes in the bad column. Uh, people helping each other out when they're in trouble goes in the good column. Whatever it is where, where you see your, your cultural standards, what, what they say, how they say you, sh- you need to behave to be, um, you know, living the culture, just do that little T-graph and see where, um, see where the behaviours align. And if you start seeing more behaviours starting to pop up in that, in that bad column, it's probably a good chance that, that you need to start reviewing, okay, are we training enough? Is the culture right? Do we have the right people? so on and so forth, because these then become hard decisions around a soft topic. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally does. Yeah. Um, what about how many organisations, <laughs> and we talked about this just before we started this, and I think we need to revisit it probably in concluding, how many people, but businesses, have you worked with that do not have a defined culture? Uh, nowadays? Oh, let's say in the last little while. Um, well, before before I start working with them. Yeah. Um, you, like oh. you're in their week, you're in their month two or three. Let's say. Yeah, um, I would say. Time. I'd say at, at that point, I'd say probably eighty percent don't. Yeah, it's staggering, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say eighty percent don't, and and interestingly, um, a lot of the research that that we've done on this on not, not just the topic of culture, but the topic of employee engagement generally. Um, when you look at, at, at the key drivers behind, you know, um, engaging your, your employees in business, number one's usually things like um, inspiring vision, you know, having a clearly defined vision for your organisation. Uh, number two is generally um, clearly defined uh, culture and, and, you know, lived, lived values. And so when we look at culture as how important it is to, to being one of those organisations that outperforms the, the standard uh, curve in, in whatever industry you are in terms of staff retention, employee engagement, enjoyment, profitability, um, all that sort of stuff, the hard and soft metrics, culture's usually in the, in the top one, two or three reasons as to why you do it, yet so many organisations... Uh, give it absolute lip service. They see it as yeah. a pointless, expensive exercise that doesn't really need to be done. We, we'll just grab, we'll just grab someone from our peer group's um, cultural blueprint and, and change some of the words to ours. We'll just download one off the net. We'll just look at whatever their favourite footy team did and 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 use that. It, it's not it, it's not a paint by numbers thing. It's actually no. it has to come from the hearts of your organisation. And does it show up commercially? A hundred percent of the time, one hundred percent of the time, good and bad. When it's undefined, yeah. sketchy, and bad, beha- bad behaviours leak in, it, it, it hits your bottom line. The opposite is absolutely true. When people pull in the right direction, the right behaviours are, are being displayed, and it's really clear on on what you know, what you will endorse and what you don't. You know what what the standard is. Um, hundred percent hits your bottom line in the right. Um, and I know you're pretty keen on this next thing. If you haven't got a defined culture, um, so if you said to a CEO that you just started working with, 
if you said to him, do you have a culture? And he said, no, we don't have a defined culture. What would be your next statement? Um, <laughs> my, my next statement would usually be, uh, well, you do have a culture. You yeah, just, there you go. That's it. You do. Yeah. You've got one, all right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> might not be the one you want, but you've got well, one. Well, it's the same as that conversation we had on positioning. If you don't take control of your position in the marketplace, the market will position it for you. And, yeah, and, and it may not be where you want to be. And this is the same with culture. Um, but your you employees are going to position you. Yep, your employees, whatever uh, behaviours. people that work for you. Exactly right. You. Whatever behaviours they, they um, espouse on any given day, that's your culture. That's exactly right. Um, I think... Cutting corners and, and doing things the quickest way and the fastest way and the, and the least diligent way, that'll be your culture. If it's about making sure... You know, things get done in the best way possible. You see the job through to the end. You help each other out. Well, all those really positive things, that'll become your culture too. You, you, can, you can get lucky. Both yeah, you ways. can. Actually, you can. You can get lucky both ways. And that's usually, that's if you've got a strong, good leader, you'll get lucky. Well, that, that's right. And again, it gets back to your leader. leaders, plural. Yeah, it gets back to the leadership of the organisation where if, if at the top it's always been, I always talk about this, about cultural DNA. So in yes. organisations, you'll have sort of that founding DNA or the cultural DNA of, of a very strong leadership group that came through um, that business at any given time. And if, if, if that sits in the DNA of the organisation, what you tend to find is there'll be some behaviours, good and bad, that'll be very, very hard to get out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it just, you're lucky if there's more good ones and bad ones. Um, but if some of those bad ones start to seep in, like you said before, um, you do need to actually start defining it, take control of your culture and, and your behaviour rather than leave it to chance and luck. Yeah, agree totally with that. Um, I'm not sure that there's much, if there's not much more to cover here, we'd probably get down right into the nitty gritty of it if we do. Um, yeah. But, but any, any tips for any tips for listeners out there? Like, are there good videos? Maybe, you know, chase down that. At oh, yeah, yeah video. totally. I just watching Simon Sinek the other day, a cracking video about empathy. And it ah, goes right yeah. into culture. It is a bloody doozy. Yep. About how a lot of businesses reward entirely the wrong things. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a bit of a genius. It's so true that around reward, like what, what are the behaviours your, your organisation actually rewards? Mm -hmm. And then so many organisations then turn around and say, oh, yeah, but we, we haven't got the culture that we want. And you're saying, well, look what your reward. Exactly. Look what your reward. And, you know, internal, making people internally compete with each other, blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, it's pretty much an outdated paradigm. Um, oh, it, was a, it is. It's Simon Sinek on empathy. Okay. Good, good tip. Really good. I stumbled across this recently and I just thought, I was thinking of somewhere that you and I both worked and I thought, golly, he's just named all the things we don't like <laughs> yeah. or that aren't useful. There, anyway. really good, there are some really good documentation. There is some good documentation around that gives people a good um, grasp of, of various, how various organisations use culture. There, there used to be some great ones on um I think it was Southwest Airlines in America. They, they had some great videos out on YouTube. Um, there was Netflix. I think there's a fair bit of stuff you can get off the pull yep. around their, their culture. Um, and, and this is just a, a caveat for, for listeners. This is not our saying that they're great cultures and great examples. It's just 
how they use it. It just works for them. It's not going to necessarily work for you, but, you know, like you said before, the mafia have got a culture, but would you want to join it? No. Um, or unless you agree with their culture. No, well, unless, you, unless you want to live a life of, of whatever they live, you know, that, that's the way you want to do it. So um, there was Southwest Airlines, there was Netflix. You can jump on look at some of the Simon Sinek stuff on, on empathy. Um, there's even some of the... Uh, does. There's an organ. There's a book that you keep mentioning. It's uh, Lencioni. Does he go into the whole cultural? Uh, Lencioni is about teams. More about team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but where he starts, it's a pyramid, and the very bottom foundation of the pyramid is trust. Yeah. That's a cultural issue. If you can't trust someone, you're not going to get the team to function. It's really that simple. So that's Patrick Lencioni. L e n c i o n i. Yeah, I think it is Patrick Lencioni. Uh, yeah, so th- there's a bunch of thing, there's a bunch of stuff out there, but I guess the main takeaways that I want people who listen to this to go away with is is saying you need you need to define your culture. Once you define it, you need to train it, induct it, recruit to it. You know, if if it's yay or nay on a certain employee, um, ask some questions in the interview that that actually lead directly to your values and see if their values match your values, and then make the decision based on that. The old hire on attitude, not not necessarily skill. But yeah, that's a really interesting one there, um, and I've got this going on right now. Um, someone as uh, skill is not quite where these people want it to be, but the guy's attitude is absolutely bulletproof. Yeah, and we're kind of wrestling with what to do here. <laughs> usually, you can. Well, on skills, you can usually teach them. You can exactly. bloody hard to teach attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you can't. You really can't teach attitude in a lot of different ways, but we won't go into that too deep. Um, but then also do that check around around your culture. What are the behaviours that are showing up, and are they the behaviours that you actually want? Um, and and realistically, there, there's that. Which which end of the spectrum do you sit on? And something that we didn't mention, Eggy, is is it at that? Just as a really really quick um, exercise to do, is it around a, a culture of acknowledgement or judgement? You know that. Do we, under the acknowledgement culture, very broadly, you look at things like uh, responsibility, teamwork, uh, good communication, ge- general fairness and and acknowledgement of, of one another. Under the judgment culture, it's usually blame, um, judgment, uh, fear, or all, all those sort of uh, destructive behaviours that can seep in. And really first check is to look at which are the behaviours that are showing up more often in your team and if they're sitting on the judgment side you've got work to do if they're sitting on the acknowledgement side i say kind of bottle it bottle it and turn it into some sort of communication that's easy to understand yeah simple don't get don't overthink this yeah so then the enunciation or the 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 uh, presentation of the culture is generally uh you know three no more than four values with some very good descriptive behaviors once you've done that, you bake it in. Look at some rituals. How, how do you bring it to life? And it, just workshop that with your team or your leadership teams or even do it individually across an organisation where people, different pockets of the organisation, depending on how big you are, can actually come up with suggestions to say that when we're living this value, we in this team, we do this. It doesn't all have to look vanilla and you know paint by numbers. Think about the internal and the external application. It's linked inextricably with your strategic planning and your positioning in the marketplace. Just on that point there, we talked about vision. Um, 
one or two podcasts ago. Yes. And we're going to talk about all the steps you take when you're doing a vision exercise. In there is your values. Absolutely. In your vision is your values. Yep. And I often, you know, we ask that question, in order to achieve this vision, how do we have to behave? It's so simple. In order to achieve this vision, how do we have to behave? And right there is the economic consequences of values. Yeah. If your vision is to quadruple the size of your organisation in two years and you can answer the, the question of how you need to behave, how could anyone ever argue that culture becomes a, a, a soft, floppy kind of um, subject or topic? Yeah. Uh, that Simon Sinek uh, YouTube video is Understanding Empathy. Oh, there you go. And then there's there's some research that people can do in their own right around this. Yeah, isn't yeah. There's buckets of it. Yep. All right, mate. I've uh, I've really enjoyed that actually. Just revisiting this topic here. I'm about to revisit it with a couple of clients, which is going to be some really good fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. So, um, uh, from me, mate, I'm uh, I'm just hoping only one thing over the next few days, and you know what that is. <laughs> That'll be that the magpies don't get plucked. Yes, and that they, in fact, feast upon endangered tiger species. Yes, exactly. I know that's where you're at. I know that's where your head's at. Yeah, and I don't, um, I don't think it's going to happen, but, gee, if it does, it would be fabulous. If it happens, you can buy me lunch. Oh, well, what a great deal that is. What a wonderful <laughs> deal. If, if a bunch of people that don't know I exist actually get across the line in a footy match, I get to buy you lunch. Totally. All right, mate. Thanks for that right. chat today and yeah. to uh, chatting next time. Yes, uh, me too. I really enjoyed this. Good on you, mate.